D2C, retail storefronts, Target. How does your marketing efforts kind of look holistically for, for everything? To change prices, change logo, change everything, and just work and iterate with the, co- the community that we've built thus far. Um, when it comes to the retail story, uh, so B2B and, and D2C have been really, really strong for us on, online. Once we added the D2C retail channel, it's really just been like a rocket ship. So, New Jersey breeds probably the best entrepreneurs in my opinion. Ooh. Okay. We um we have a very special guest today on uh today's episode. Um Mompreneur. Mm. Uh New Jersey's ENY Entrepreneur of the Year finalist. Winner. 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 Sorry. Winner. <laughs> wow. <Damn> See? <laughs> winner. That's all right. Let's um, <laughs> um CEO, yep. founder mm. of the Little Words project. Yep. Um, started with one employee now up to 50 or probably even more, um, started on D2C and now has retail storefronts nationwide. Mm -hmm. Um, Adriana, Carrie, thank you for being here today. Um, of course. So I think let's get started with maybe for, for those who don't know you, um, a little bit of your background, a little bit about, uh, your brand and then we'll, uh, take it from there. Yeah, sure. So, Yep, my name is Adriana Carrig. I'm the founder and CEO of Little Words Project, which is a jewelry company, lifestyle company, all about inspiring kindness and self-love in the world. Um, we do that through primarily our inspirational word bracelets, which um, are all handmade and all have a different, unique um, inspirational word on them. Um, and the idea is you pick a word that means something to you, wear that word for as long as you need it, and then pass it on one day to someone who needs it more. Um, there's this really unique traceability concept where each one has a little code on the back of the tag. That code is used to connect your bracelet on our website. Um, and then once you've lived out the experience that the bracelet gives you, whether it's strength or love or just extra encouragement, um, the idea is to then give it away to someone who needs it more. And you can actually trace and essentially track where that bracelet goes with every new registration that comes along with it. So that's really kind of what led to the brand that we know and some most love today. Um, It's all started with that concept of of paying it forward and and passing on kindness and love. Um, And I started it, you know, just as a young 23-year-old right out of college. I was doing it in my parents' basement um, to start as most, you know. As we all were. As we all (laughs) do, right? As all good businesses begin. Um, And, uh, you know, it it really took off. This year is actually our 10th year in business. Wow. Congrats. Just crazy. Thank you. Um, And it's been that story of kindness and self-love and empowerment has been at the crux of the brand and really has been the thread that has woven through the past 10 years, right? No matter how much growth we've experienced or how much change we've experienced, that has been the thing that's remained true to, to the brand itself. So yeah, I'm really proud of where we've gone and, and how far we've come. Um, and like you said, including going from just kind of a one channel uh, brand or company to really omni-channel over the past 10 years, including retail storefronts, wholesale, and um, pretty robust wholesale, and e-com, which has been continuing to grow year over year since starting. So, yeah, that's, that's my little spiel. Aside, yeah. aside from that, I am a mom of two. As you mentioned, I am a true mompreneur. Um, <laughs> most recently had my most recent baby. Um, he was born a little imma- uh, premature. Immature, LOL. He was born premature. <laughs> and so it's been a whirlwind. And I think that's been one of the hardest parts of being a business owner is also – having that familial thing happen and, you know, kind of just have to navigate the difficulties of both things at once. And it's been hard, but we figure it out and we keep going. (laughs) I mean, that's the whole crux of the brand too, right? Is just inspiration and and, and leaning into that, right? Right. Um, So I think think one of the first questions that, um, you know, is the topic of mind, especially for even like a brand like Avi, right? Mm -hmm. Collagen, commodity, Mm -hmm. a lot of competitors, Mm -hmm. okay? For you, it's also I would imagine very similar, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 a great idea. the The thought behind it in, is very empowering. Mm-hmm. But how do you how do you sustain growth over ten years for something that, to be honest, could be copied yesterday? Yeah, and was and was yeah, <laughs> and is sure. and continues yeah. to be. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I think that for me, it's commitment to brand. It's commitment to the story that we're 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 selling because it's not. 
just a story. It's it's authentic. It's real. It's organic um, yeah. to what is needed in this world. Frankly, you know, that little bit more kindness, a little bit more consideration and compassion for one another is something that you just don't see at the forefront of many companies. Right. This is what we like the the product itself is just a vehicle for that story and right. always was. I mean, I literally made it look like this because it was something I could make. Like right. it was purely form, you know, because of my own capacity and my own access to materials. Like I literally started it by going to Michael's and making the bracelets that people are saying, wow. well, my kids could just make this. Why would I spend $25? And my answer is always, well, because then you're a part of our community. Like mm -hmm. then you're a part of who we are and what we do and what we're trying to do to this world. Um, and so, yeah, it happens and it sucks every time because you're like, okay, well, you know, I see that you're trying to just hop on a trend, which mm -hmm. is what people are considering it to be, or some people can consider it to be. But ultimately, it's not a trend because I've proven it over 10 years. It's a decade of, of it course, being relevant. Yeah. With the growth as With well. With the growth as well. Um, frankly, it wasn't a trend until we came along. So you're also kind of first to market. Yeah. Um, and it's also really hard. <laughs> I will say <laughs> we're talking a $25 price point, right? So yeah. you know, you guys obviously know uh, how difficult it is to, you know, when it comes to sustaining a business and sustaining real growth with, you know, an average order value of $50. Like right. that's very oh, yeah. hard to achieve. And yet we're doing it tenfold. Right. And so I think it's really like most times I'm just like, all right, good luck. Have fun. You know, go figure out the E problem. <laughs> There's never <laughs> enough letter E with this product. Um, go figure out all these things that we've taken 10 years to navigate. Most of them die off. They don't last because it's not sustainable unless you've you know, kind of were first to market. And then the rest don't come with that storytelling that makes a actu like an actual material difference in whether or not the business is going to grow and, and sustain real growth. So right. the answer, as long-winded as that was, is really I focus on us. I stay focused. I keep my blinders on and I'll see it. I'll be aware. But at the end of the day, I, I have a complete wholehearted belief in what we're doing and that this is merely a vehicle to that ends. And, um, it's worked so far. So just continuing to do more of that. Absolutely. So let's take it back a little bit. Yeah. You're 23 years old. Mm. What makes you say, okay, I'm going to start this business? Well, you know, I had grown up myself dealing with a lot of negativity from others. Um, I was bullied from a very young age and it kind of continued for me into college where it was more of a competitive kind of cruelty. Um, at the time it was really amongst primarily females. It was girl on girl, just negative bullshit mm -hmm. that exists. And I know you guys can't really relate to that, but I'm sure you, if you have sisters or wives or whomever, you know what that, that negativity I'm talking about can yeah. be. We're on Instagram. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness Instagram did not exist. When I was a child. I think about that all the time. I feel for I know. What, what would happen? Uh, it, it's, it's happening. Yeah. Look around at the, at the way, you know, cruelty in this bullying culture has just taken over the, the, it's, it's insane. And I'd like to say that, you know, we're curbing it in some capacity and maybe we are, but what we're really trying to do is inspire self-love more than anything, self-empowerment, providing these young women or women or people in general, we really are not just female focused anymore, but providing them with that armor, right. And that, um, confidence to look down, see hope on my wrist, look down, see strength on my wrist and get myself through a difficult moment. I'm not asking you to necessarily, um, you know, I'm not I'm not appealing to the bullies so much as I am to those the bullied, right? Those who need that empowerment and that encouragement. And we think in that process we're seeing we're gonna see actual change. Um, but you know, when it comes to why I started it, it was really because of that. Like I had wanted to create something that was gonna put bring some more kindness to the world, bring some more positivity, and just kind of like infringe on the territory of cruelty a little bit. Right. Um so that's what led to me wanting to start it. Um, but then aside from that, I was at the time in a sorority in college. Um, I went to the College of New Jersey, speaking of Jersey, very Jersey-based person. <laughs> um, and I was a member of Delta Zeta sorority where we had to – I personally was the VP of membership and I had to come up with a way to keep the love circulating. And when you're talking about like a group of 60 women, you know, it's <laughs> kind of – it's a challenge, right? Yeah. So that's where I had been making these bracelets for myself. And I thought, why not pass them out? And we'll, I'll tell the girls to pass them amongst themselves. And that's really where the whole concept of pay it forward came out. Um, I saw it work in this group of people. And I thought, wow, this is like a true microcosm, if you will, of yeah. what it could be. Um, so why not bring this kind of kindness and self-love and empowerment and just 
pay it forward energy to the masses and it's worked as yeah. a result. Yeah. No, it's great. When you were starting the business mm -hmm. though, I know we kind of dealt with it. And when you start a business and before you're, you meet any type of success, there's a lot of haters, mm -hmm. right? So were there people that were telling you, why are you doing this? This is never going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had that all the way through to like yesterday. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like we deal with haters left and right. Yeah. And, you know, it comes in different forms, right? There's the people who are outright haters about it. And they'll say to you, you know, are you sure you want them to look like that? You don't want it to be like a gold plated bar or like <laughs> something that's a little. And I, I, those were friends even that questioned whether or not it would work. And I was like, trust me, like this is coming back. This is going to be a thing. And here, it, here we are 10 years later. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, there's people who like are wolves in sheep's clothing, right? Like they make you feel like you're um, kind of in the, in the cool crowd, right? Where you're a part of the, the grander story of, of uh, businesses that matter, right? But then they won't partner with you because yeah. they're like, mm, maybe it's not that cool or we don't know yet. They haven't proven it out or we have to see them be, you know, work with XYZ before we're even willing to work with them. And I have they've got the wrong one is kind of how I look at that because I've experienced my fair share of feeling like left out that I just don't care anymore. And I think that I've developed this kind of like potentially delusional, but whatever. It's just this sense of self of, I just believe in this brand. I believe in what we're doing. I believe in my product. I believe in the people that we have working on it. And I just don't give a shit if you don't like us or think that we're cool because there is a customer who walks around with this product on their wrist and considers it to be the number one most important piece of jewelry in their jewelry box or on their wrist because they never take it off. And that's enough for me. That's amazing. Yeah. I love thank that. You. Thank you. So <laughs> when you when you like think about scale, right? When you when you saw that, okay, this idea is kind of like it's working. I want to actually make this into to something that's sustainable, right? A lot of founders today, I feel like when somebody mentions the word community, mm -hmm they don't actually know what that means, mm -hmm. right? It could be, it could mean like, okay, starting up a, a Facebook group, right? Mm -hmm. Or a Discord or a Slack channel, whatever it is. Yes, that is a type of community, right. but actually building a community means, I, I, I mean, I know what it means for us at Avi, right? It's, it's the same thing that you just said, right? It's, you could get a collagen from anywhere. You can go to Vital, you can do whatever, buy the, the $15 one off Amazon, right. right? But what you buy into with Avi is, you're buying into a community where you have people that actually care about the success that you have with, with the, the product, product right. right? So now bringing that over to you, mm -hmm. at what point in the journey did you say, okay, I need to start cultivating a community mm -hmm. and where did you do that? It, there was not a point in the journey because it was the journey. The whole journey was the community. This was, like I said, just a vehicle to get the community. but. From a very, very early stage, and this is pre-everything, right? Like 2013, Instagram had just started, right? So if you think about where people lived in communities, it was really Facebook at the time. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about social media communities. So I was very focused on like the IRL experience of it all. Like I really wanted to create true, real, meaningful relationships amongst women at the time to that would just foster kindness and 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 community and love. And that's really what it was from the very start. And I think that's what, and that is why we're still here 10 years later, because it's that foundation that we built of these people who just, when I tell you that there are women out there that have hundreds and hundreds of bracelets and they're constantly rotating them, they're constantly sharing them, they're constantly registering them, they're wearing them up their wrist. I mean, Ali Love, the Peloton instructor, wow. you she goes on the Today Show every morning and has a stack up to here more than I wear. I saw her this morning when I was Did on the Did you see them? <laughs> okay, look at her wrist. You probably Did didn't you even see, realize. Was she wearing Oh them? my God, what's she wearing? She doesn't take them off. All right, I'll, have to, I'll pay closer attention. It's now. like the most incredible <laughs> thing I've ever seen. And it's, and yet, and she's Ali Love, but it's because the product is so special and good and the meaning is so important and the it's community amazing. is real. And so the answer is there was never a point where I was like, oh, I have to start focusing on community. It was always the point. Right. brand I, I think for a lot of uh, a lot of brands the building around that right it's because you want to right mm -hmm. I think for a lot of brands it's like almost well, we have to right, right? and performative yeah exactly mm -hmm. right it's like how do I, I I think people think of it as like okay well you know we we prop up our brand or, or revenue with you know paid marketing right, right. meta ads whatever TikTok. 
Um, and then it's like, oh, well, I need to have some sort of organic traffic. So let's right. prop that up with influencer marketing or, or this and that, right? Mm-hmm. I think people forget that when you try to prop something up, it's not authentic. And yeah. you don't have that that genuine want to be part of this brand. And that's where I think brands almost fail because you start becoming over-reliant on these marketing channels that Correct. are going to increase in cost no matter what, right? And you do need to build something like... Even even you, right? You are the face of the brand, mm-hmm. which I think makes life 10 times easier because then you can talk about the daily, you know, whether it's the successes, the struggles, product development, the, the reasoning behind the brand in, entirely. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is key to, like, sustainability. I mean, like you said, 10 years, yeah. right? So you're building a story or people are following along for, for the longest time. And, I mean, it, it's commendable where you don't even really need to rely on paid. You have that word of mouth. You have that community. You have yeah. organic traffic. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, that's been a blessing for sure. Especially as the world has shifted into this like, just this e-commerce universe, and there's an, a new e-commerce brand like shit out every other day. <laughs> Not to use that term, but I'm, I'm a Jersey girl, as we established. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I you see that, and what I will say, and what I feel like we've remained so true to is the organic growth of the brand. And I think there's also something to be said about the slow growth, right? And I think one of your questions that I know is coming down the pipe is, you know, what do you think is true that most people think is false? And my answer was going to be and is now, slow growth is actually the way to do it because it is true organic marketing. It's true word of mouth growth. And that is if we still do in any post-purchase survey, anything that we do, we still have found that our number one marketing channel outside of, of course, paid because now we're putting a lot more money into that and it just by the nature of the beast is going to be where most people hear about us now. But very close second, if not neck and neck, is still word of mouth. That's incredible. So everything that we do is how do we surprise and delight the customer? How do we make the customer feel like she's a part of something actually real and makes her want to come back to us for every gift, for every holiday, for every just because, right? And that's what we found. Our cust- We have a big gift customer. So we do have the seasonality that you know we, a lot of consumer brands have to contend with. Um, but we are combating that regularly with just a constant – constant touch points with the customer and like the retail journey that we've taken now has added to that right storytelling we're able to have people come in real life and experience this brand in a real way through our beating and there's so many things that we're trying to do that it just feels like we're we're just leaning into what we established early on which is that you're here because we know that there's a hole in this world for of true community and in the past, it was true sisterhood, but now it's like, like I said, it's anybody is welcome. And honestly, most of our men's styles lately have been some of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> so we're really expanding into kind of welcoming everybody and I, it's working. So, yeah. Chew on this is sponsored by one crucial strategy that we just can't ignore as D2C brands, and that's email and SMS. We'll be sending a ton, and guess who's our go to? We use Sendlane. It's not just another tool, it's a revolution with real time segmentation. You're reaching users with precision when you hit send on that email or SMS. The reporting UI, you may ask, it's a breath of fresh air. Simple, straightforward, and gets right to the point. No more sitting through confusing data and random charts you have no idea about what it's saying. And here's the crown jewel, their customer support. Round the clock, weekends, holidays, 24-7, 365, always open like 7-Eleven. No exceptions, they've got your back always. If you want to elevate your email and SMS game and you're tired of what everyone in the industry is used to using, check out Sendlane and see why Sendlane is the name that's buzzing in everyone's ears. Dive in and you'll thank us later. Now, let's get back to the episode. You briefly touched on expanding into retail, Mm -hmm. um, but for those who don't know, um, you guys are actually opening up storefronts for, for the brand. Yes. Uh, primarily was on D2C and then started up a storefront, I believe, in New York. Yeah. Right? So we've actually been D2C and B2B since pretty much the very beginning. Um, I've been doing you know the wholesale trade show circuit for, I want to say, as early as 2015, so about two years into the business. And I should also say those first two years were like basement years, <laughs> so <laughs> very different energy than yeah. what it is now. I, I think, and our biggest 
our biggest growth um, has happened over the past three, right? Past two and a half, three years. Um, and so a large part of that slow burn journey, I think the reason I say it's such such a good way to grow is because you learn so much and you literally and nobody's really aware of you yet. So you can make these you can make these mistakes under the radar and then it's not as big of a spotlight as it would be now if we like screwed mm -hmm. up something major because it, people know who we are now. Right. Um, but then it was kind of like, all right, we're figuring it out. Nobody noticed. It's fine. We'll keep going. We could change prices, change logo, change everything and just work and iterate with the, co the community that we've built thus far. Um, when it comes to the retail story, um, you know, so yeah, so wholesale and uh, so B2B and, and D2C have been really, really strong for us on online. Once we added the D2C retail channel, it's really just been like, a rocket ship because what we're finding is that it's like the great equalizer, right? Like we're coming into the sphere of other D2C brands that have retail stores and it's really kind of legitimizing us in a really new and unique way to the point where people are like, wait a minute, they have a whole store mm. on this bracelet. Like the yeah. amount of people that I'm sure are like kind of mind blown by that. Yeah. I'm um, one of them. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure you guys are. And I think, um, it's been a it's it's a good thing, right? Because I've been able to kind of skirt underneath everyone's radar. No one's taking me seriously. No one's taking me seriously <laughs> until bam, I'm on the same street as Sephora, wow. killing it, or Lululemon killing it, and being asked to be a part of these major centers because we're bringing in the foot traffic. People want to come and sit at one of our tables and beat a bracelet. So, just to kind of like re rewind a little bit, we've uh, eight full-time retail stores right now um, all across the nation. Yes, we've okay. got one. We've got two in Manhattan, Bleecker Street being our first and one of our best. Um, we've got all the way across the country in San Francisco. We've got Georgetown, D.C. We've got um, Boston. Uh, we've got our Jersey store at the Jersey Shore um, in uh, Long Branch, Miami, Tampa. Um, and then we've got line of sight to uh, 15 by the end of next year, wow. uh, 10 by the end of this. So we've got two more stores opening up in 2023. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and so that growth is largely due to the fact that, you know, despite not having the highest AOV and uh, both in store and online, and despite us having a, a price point that is, you know, like I said, a $25 retail price point for the primary product, we're still seeing customers show up and they're stacking the bracelets and they're excited about the story. We sell other things. They're not just bracelets. We sell mm. other brands that are all about, um, that are all female founded. Mm. And um, uh, they're kind of like our third party stuff that's yeah, really yeah. become essentially. That's smart. Uh, 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 not a test kitchen because I'm not by any means trying to like take from what other people are doing, but we are able to see what our customer wants and what mm. else is she buying? And what else, how else is she shopping? We're learning yeah. a lot more about her, both new and returning. Although I will say 90% of our customers in retail stores are new. Yeah. Um, but the most important key takeaway and the key piece of our retail journey and why it's as successful as it's been is the experiential piece. And that is we have people coming in, they're sitting down at a table just like this, and they're making their own bracelets. And it's kind of borrowing from the, you know, the candle pouring companies or like the sip and paints yeah. and all those experiential things that for whatever reason they last and people want to go to them. Well, I know the reason because it's something to do mm -hmm. <laughs> and something to do in, in real life. Um, but it's also just kind of really driving home that community sense because you're sitting down with me, I'm beating my bracelet, you're beating yours, yeah. and we're talking about what it is that you just went through in your life. And yeah. we became friends now. And this product, this vehicle, as I keep calling it, actually achieved its purpose, which was to bring people together and to drive community. Um, so for that reason, the stores work. It's not yeah. just... Yep. A twenty-five dollar word bracelet. It's a real experience. It's a community. It's a community. <laughs> how are how are you so confident that that? Well, for people who don't know, getting a store on Bleecker Street is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and that was your first store. So, yeah. how were you so confident that this was going to work in store? Um, I wasn't. Um, okay. and I think that's important to note too for any like budding entrepreneurs out there. Like sometimes. You just try it and you are going to hope against hope that it's going to work. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But if it does, then great. And that's that's mm -hmm. the whole game, right, of building a business is like you're hedging constantly. You're trying to figure it out. You're constantly moving in whatever direction you feel is right in that moment just because yeah. it's a little bit more right than this direction, right? But it doesn't mean that it's the clearest answer. And so I will say that. I will say 
my husband joining the team. He came from, you know, an almost decade-long career in finance at Blackstone, really understands business at its core. And he came in and was always kind of my numbers guy on the side. Mm. But once he joined, he's the one who pushed me over that, that finish great. line of like, we can do this. Let's give it a shot and see what happens. The other benefit was we did work at the time with Leap, who I'm sure you okay. guys are f yeah. familiar with Leap, um, and they got us th that first store open. And so the, I will always credit them with that initial burst of confidence because they kind of took a little bit of the fear off the table. Um, you know, over time we have found that we've figured out kind of our 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 uh, formula and. It's become a little bit easier in some cases to do our own stores. Um, so we do have a little bit of a blended model right mm -hmm. now. But they really did give us that that initial confidence to um, just kind of go for it. And luckily it worked. Yeah. And this was without the beating component, right? Yeah, yeah. This was just pure product play. Oh, wow. There was no – we just – about a month ago, turned over Bleeker to have a beating activation space because okay. it's such a small footprint. So there was no experience. There was before. no experience right. at Bleeker. Wow. Um, but and it, it proved still itself. <laughs> yeah, it did. And and it's, it proved the model and it gave us more confidence to go out and do our own stores. Yeah. And it's been just, an, it's, we were worried. We're like, is this just lightning in a bottle? Like, mm. I don't know. Yeah. And luckily it hasn't been. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's that. And it's also just, there should be, Every entrepreneur should have like a little bit of a delusional sense of confidence, you know? Oh, yeah. Like I think we should all be a little bit crazy. <laughs> I think we all are. I, I got it tattooed. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Wait, I kind of love that for my next one. <laughs> Delusion. That's yeah. just that's fire. Because it's true. Like yeah. that is what you need to have. Just have this to. crazy sense of confidence. Because if you don't believe in it, nobody else will. Yep. Full Absolutely. Stop. 100 percent agreed. You need that leap of faith. And that's kind of what you did with that Bleaker Street store. Exactly. Yeah. I know um, <clears throat> Ron's not here today, but the the question I think he would ask um, more on the operation side, mm -hmm. right? You have you have stores nationwide. How are you managing hiring? How are you managing you know just like in general KPIs for each store? Yeah. Um, what does that look it's like? It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah. Um, but it's also not at the same time because once you find the formula, you really can just kind of replicate over and over and over again. Yeah. So, you know, we have found actually that the model of going it your own and finding and employing the team yourself and having that direct communication line for us, a brand that's all about community building and really welcoming people into what we call and consider to be a family. When you walk into our stores, you should feel like you're walking into like your living room and mm -hmm. your sister's there and you guys are talking about what's going on in your life. And that's really the experience you have at most of our retail yeah. stores, mm -hmm. if not all. Because of that importance, we really feel that that you know into that fully integrated um, uh, setup, if you will, um, is necessary, right? So employing the team on our own, yes, it comes with more headaches and more employees and more people you have to manage, but it also really helps us kind of steer the ship on what the com the the end consumer experience is, and that's huge. So you're um, actually going out there to each store doing the hiring process. We're not necessarily going out there, yeah. and that's the beauty of the virtual world. We're yeah. able to do a lot of it virtually. Yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily going out there, I shouldn't say, but we mm -hmm. do have a head of retail who mm -hmm. goes, and whether it's hiring in person or just making sure she's there to train the new team, I have regular touch points with these girls to make sure they are like just an extension of what would Adriana do, if you will, right? Yeah. What would we do as the founders of this brand, um, you know, Bill and I, to create um, that community in, in real life? So yeah, we'll we'll have those regular touch points. Um, as far as the operations of like, I mean, it probably it's not probably it's definitely been a, a bigger lift for our planning team, which is all of like three people, mm -hmm. um, to navigate. Okay, if we're buying this amount, we have to buy this much for retail, buy this much for ecom, buy this much for wholesale, and make sure that we can still drive a crazy amount of hype around the product, not have it live for too long where it gets stale, sell through most of it, figure out a way to offload it if it doesn't move. All of that is still a nightmare. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's the case for any brand that has as complicated of a skew count as we do. Um, but, you know, when it comes to just the general operations of the business, it's just it's just another channel, right? So right. we just kind of, once you set it up, it, it kind of, if it works, it works itself, right? right? Um, but there are, I'm sure, plenty of brands who would try that avenue setting it up and it's just, it doesn't, it falls flat because mm -hmm. they find the customer doesn't want it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think everyone is made for retail. I didn't think I was made for retail right. until we found mm -hmm. out that we were. And we're still proving the model, frankly. Right. 
So I, I kind of want to get a little bit more into the hiring because yeah. zero to 50 employees is incredible. Yeah. Um, for we've what we're at four years, four years now. We have we're really 10. bad at hiring. Yeah, <laughs> like people say, oh, you guys are super lean, and it's like, yeah, it's impressive, but it's like we're at we're our not, like, like trying to be. Yeah, yeah. like we're not, yeah. yeah. You know, how do you? I, I think the question I have is like, w at what point do you identify? Okay, there's a need for somebody, mm -hmm. and how do you actually go about like making sure you're fulfilling that role and making sure that they can actually be successful? for yeah. you i mean you're asking the million dollar question that like <laughs> i don't have the answers for either though you know and I think zero to 50 i feel like I, you know you what know, you're doing i well <laughs> there's been a, yes and i will give us that we we have very we have not had a ton of turnover at this company over the past decade which is exciting you know i think i've let go of 10 total people in 10 years wow. which is crazy wow. um we've we had people that. some we people leave on their year. own volition yeah. it's really freaking <laughs> no but i need i think the i say that because i kind of need to get better at it frankly yeah. like i feel like because we're all about kindness yeah. and we're all about compassion and familial energy and sisterhood and all that stuff it's very hard for me to like look someone in the eyes that has taken me, you know, five years mm. and they gave me their all and what have you, but they, I know they're not going to get me the next five years yeah. and have to say, hey, it's time to go. Yeah. That's really fucking hard for yeah, me to do. And it gives me the chills because it's like it kills me inside. And that's kind of, you know, we're constantly going through that. My biggest problems are people problems mm -hmm. across the business. Okay. And it's because there's just, you can't know. There's no glass ball that tell glass ball is that what it's called eight ball crystal ball there's no crystal ball yeah. that tells me that this person's gonna work out or not mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. everyone's selling themselves right and yeah. you're just wanting to you are so strapped that you got to hire someone now because yep. the time has come we've also been completely self-funded up until last year oh, completely wow. self-funded yeah and it has been beautiful and it's been profitable and self-sustaining but it's because we were so lean. Yeah. And yes, partially because we wanted to be and partially because we couldn't find anyone that yeah. would yeah. Fit, the fit the bill and fit the mold, if you yeah. will. So, you know, I think the answer is to the first question, how do you know when it's time? It's when you feel like you feel, which is like, I am i don't have any, there are no more hours. I have no more hands. Yeah. I cannot do this. Mm -hmm. and, I, and everyone feels that way, right? Mm -hmm. Bring someone on. And ideally, you wouldn't let it get that far. You would yeah. preempt it. Of course. Um, and that's something I struggled with. Um, but then, you know, how do you know that they're going to be the right fit or, you know, whether or not it's like, do you hire an expert or do you train someone? You know, that's one of your, the high level questions we were thinking about talking about today. And I think that has to do with where you're at in your, in your, in your life cycle mm -hmm. as a company. Like mm -hmm. earlier on, I would hire anybody with opposable thumbs. <laughs> like if you have the ability to you help, gotta be scrappy. come yeah. here and help because yeah. I can't afford an expert right now. Or I would outsource and see if, you know, I'd say, hey, and I did. Social media was outsourced in the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, customer service, uh, anything that I could outsource, I did. Once we started getting bigger, then I was able to really hire actual kind of, not actual talent because again, those early people got me here and some of them are still with me to this day wow. mariah who i consider to be like my not my right hand but like an, the main face of the brand outside mm -hmm. of me shout out mariah yeah shout out to mariah <laughs> um she started beating bracelets in a warehouse in hoboken with me she was making the product wow. with me to now she's my head of partnerships and um uh, uh brand experience um, and we laugh because I change that title every other day. I just have a partnership, but she's also really primarily had a brand experience. But this is this is what it is, you know. Like yeah. you're just fucking figuring it out. Yeah. Like none yeah. of us just became corporate companies. Like we all figured it out along the way. So there are people that'll get you there. There are people that won't. The difficulty is knowing who that is and being able to sit them down and have that real conversation. And it's something I very much so struggle with. Um, but as far as finding talent, I think. Um, one of the things we've leaned in is some tools. We've actually used this company called Culture Index, and it essentially is a personality survey where the, we send to all potential new hires, and we can make real decisions on whether or not that person is a culture fit, whether or not they're going to like or fill that role well, um, and whether or not our expectations of that role matches what they're able to give us based on their own self-assessment of themselves. And this is just their personality. And it's not just, like, it asks you to 
select a certain amount of words that describes you okay. in both your life and then also in the role that you think you're about to take on, okay. if that makes sense. And it shows whether or not there's like right. a connection there. It's a very holistic. Yeah, yeah like it's just, it. I honestly don't know the science behind it, but I know <laughs> that it's so freaking accurate that it's made it a lot easier for us to hire. And I think whether it's that, which is, you know, you kind of have to invest in that, but it's either that or some other uh, parameters that you can set up that, define success in the role for you mm -hmm. and then can get some real answers of who this person is that you're trying to hire. I think that's really the ticket that I wish I had done a little sooner, honestly. No, that's great. Yeah. I feel like we should be doing that. It's no, amazing. We should, we should be doing anything that we're not doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, a, that's how it always is, right? And like, stop doing what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Throw the whole thing out. <laughs> Are you like higher fast fire faster type of like mentality? I was. Like, do you not want to get so attached where you can't? Yes. Them? Yeah. Now. Yeah, okay. If it, higher slow, fire fast is our new method. I like that. In the beginning, it was fire or higher fast, fire slow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're, you know, it took a long time to offload some people that we knew just weren't the right fit, but we loved them and we yeah. cared about them. And, you know, I still, I'm sad that they're not here, but I also know that like, you know, there's at some point you have to call a spade a spade and the person's either not the right fit or they are. And you kind of know who it is, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know who you need to walk away from, but it's the hardest thing to yeah. do mm -hmm. for that reason. But yeah, we like to, now it's hire slow, fire fast. If we find out they're not the right fit, they got to go. And, you know, it's caused some issues with the remainder of the team and the whole, we're, we're, we're still trying to find our footing yeah. as to like, how do we navigate being a compassionate, kind, open employer but still value very much so like working in office right mm -hmm. and, and uh you know um not having people be on this team if they don't fit and they mm -hmm. don't they're, they're not performing like you are you guys mostly in office we are we're okay. four days a week um, we love that <laughs> I, I love that and i personally it's also been like we're right in the thick of it, you guys. Like literally, we just did a, a employee pulse check survey, yeah. <laughs> and we've got a, a, a small cohort of people on our team that are, do not like the way we do it, which is in office, um, four days a week. Uh, hours are ten to six. None of this like start at eight, leave at yeah. four. You know, energy or start at ten, leave at six. Like we really try to be kind of in the middle of the day for all of us. Um, and I've been pretty like steadfast with that over the years, and even through COVID, like. We didn't change everything simply because, you know, the world had to pause. Like, that's not realistic. I yeah. know, granted, a lot of companies have, but they're huge. I mean, I'm not IBM. Yeah, <laughs> so no, like, it, it makes sense. We have to do what we have to do. And in-person breeds, in my opinion, more creativity, more real-time efficiency. It's not waiting for someone to get, uh, you know, pick up the phone. Like, it's a very collaborative environment. And, you know, I might lose some talent by putting my foot down here, which I'm literally going to put my foot down on this this week because <laughs> we were like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? The decision is there is no help coming. This is not going to get easier. It's going to be just as hard as it's been, if not harder, because we're in a high growth period. This is what we're doing. And we're, I think, making a difference in the world. And if you're not excited about that, that's okay. There is a place for you. It's just not here. And I think that's something that as founders and CEOs, we all have to get like okay with because it can be really hard. You don't want to be disliked especially yep. a young bullied woman. Cool. I don't want to be fucking yeah. disliked by everyone on my team, but you're either going to like me within my four walls or you're going to, I'm sorry, you're going to hate me within my four walls or you're going to hate me outside of them. So I'd rather you hate me from afar. I <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think just in general, you don't really build an actual culture without being in office. I think it, it's, yeah. it's so important because I mean, I know there's a lot of people who like to, you know, do the remote thing and they, yeah. they, they give you all the benefits of working remote and I can do it, this and that. If you think about like we've we've kind of tried it before mm -hmm. and employees it just it just doesn't work and yeah. people who say they can do it most of the time you can't yeah um i know plenty of companies who you know other d2c brands that started uh remote and are now trying to go in office right mm. or went remote after COVID and they're now trying to come back that's and probably hard it's extremely it's impossible yeah. because you're going to lose a lot of talent and then also you're not going to be able to you know it's there you're going to piss off a lot of people and that work for you yeah. and then you have to navigate that and look i might piss off a lot of people that work for me now but i know that the at the core of 
you know, the core of my team really, who really is going to take this the distance, they understand the assignment, right? right? Like they're not confused about what's happening here. And what's happening is we're building a business. It's really fucking hard to do. It's a $25 price point. <laughs> we are, it is so much more complicated than it should be for the price that it is. Yeah, right? Right. So we don't have that beautiful AOV that can kind of buoy us through the rest of time. Mm -hmm. No, every decision is a big decision and we need good decision makers on the team to get us there. But it's hard. You just kind of got to do it. And um, I think actually being lean is pretty amazing, honestly. Yeah. And I know it's hard, but I'd say stay lean and hire, fa hire slow and fire fast until you feel like you've got that core group and then stop. That's like if, if my husband had his way, he would not hire anyone ever again. <laughs> We're done. Because our, our, you know, our, our, empl our employee compensation line on our P&L is like, way big yeah, you yeah, know yeah. and that's and great we've been told ours is too small <laughs> then then listen that's a beautiful problem to have yeah because yeah. all you got to do is find the talent yeah. yeah you know you just gotta take your time to make sure it's the right talent because people problems are the worst yeah. of them no, all they really are especially when you care yeah um i want to switch gears um talk a little bit more about some of the marketing stuff that you guys have done yeah um you guys have done some really cool licensing deals. Yes. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about yeah how, what you guys have done? Yeah. And what's like why like why should I mean I don't know if licensing is for every single brand, but why was it you know an option for you guys? So for us, I mean we're kind of a, a one trick pony right now. We do have line of sight to some really incredible new products that we're launching that is going to kind of up the ante, hopefully drive up that AOV that I keep talking about. Um, but as a product, you know, we're a beaded bracelet, right? So it really lends itself to this licensing energy of working with brands that already have, have an established footing on an established customer base that we can kind of just like attach ourselves to them, siphon some of their, um, brand's ethos, if you will, and create a product that synergistically lives between both brands. And so that's kind of where like our Barbie collaboration came about. Wow. Um, a lot of these collaborations are licensing, right? So there are minimum guarantees, mm -hmm. you know, that you got to pay out. There are, um, you know, a lot of stipulations around like the legality of it all. You have to be really intentional about the design, the approval processes, ruling, and you got to make sure that you're marketing it just right to sell it out. Because, but you have a minimum guarantee and our product isn't that expensive. So the, the, the margin that we have to attribute or to give to these um, licensors, if you will, it just it becomes very complicated. So you really we, we try to be really intentional about who we work with and is it going to be brand accretive? And so, yes, working with Barbie ahead of the movie, which we feel really good about, like the timing we did it there, we actually did it last year. So we oh, kind of almost uh, feel like we were out in front. <laughs> well, remember they asked? Yeah, they did. We could have done it. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> well, listen, some people think we were way too early and missed the boat. No, I think we were great. It was out in front. We got to actually move through product. Barbie let us do a discount on our product when everyone else was selling full price. Yeah, we were yeah. able to have our sale price wow. on product to move through the remaining Barbie inventory during the hype. Um, but yeah, it's, like I said, it's it's thinking through which of these licensors are going to be brand accretive. Um, how can we very seamlessly create product around them? So like we've got, um, I'm trying to remember like what we have coming and I don't want to spoil, but like we just did a Clueless collab, for mm. example. And perfect, it's teed up to be a perfect product perfect. launch, right? Yeah. It's our, you know, it's a millennial base, which a lot of our customer base is millennial, mm -hmm. um, though we do have a, it's millennial and Gen Z. So we have like a nice skew there. Um, millennial base, it's got all the words that you can use. Like we literally put clueless on a bracelet. Like it's just very simple when the product is so simply yeah. uh, manufactured, if that makes yeah. sense. Because we can just kind of be nimble and flexible. And these licensors, um, like there's not a lot. It's, there's probably not a lot of diligence because your product is such low risk. Uh, like, right? Like it's low risk. The one place that we need to get better, and that I I, I really want to navigate with these licensors and kind of get them over the hump, is we have a custom, a big custom customer, right? So mm -hmm. our last month alone, fifty one percent of the business online was a custom product. So the customer is coming on. She's picking her color. She's picking her word. Making her any word she wants. She's putting her son's name on it, right? right? And 
getting that product in the mail, and then she goes on and, and has her own custom bracelet that she created. That's 51% of e-com. Yeah. What we can't do and what we haven't navigated is the ability to get our licensors to allow us to put like their logo or their okay. little emblems on custom product because they can't control Could what word that yeah. person is putting <laughs> on there. So we're navigating that, but yes, so when the product is finished, it's literally like they approve the word, colorway, and style, and we move on. So you just that. have a blueprint for licensing, pretty much. Pretty much, it's yeah. like how can we get like little charms that are the the logos. Um, we're actually launching college and sorority licensing this week. Oh, oh wow! Um, so that's going to be cool. That's We've huge. gotten a couple of major schools, um, all sorority names. So yeah. we're very excited about that. And just again, it's how do we tap into these communities that exist already and provide them with something that is going to be value add to their life because at the end of the day whether you wear a bracelet that says dream on it with your mm -hmm. school's logo or you wear a bracelet that says dream on it without your school's logo you're still being told to dream like you're still it's still the same core message and i think yeah. that's what makes our product so successful in the licensing sphere absolutely are you using licensing to do i guess Kind of bolster customer retention or like kind of improve AOV or are you using it in a way to kind of hit a different audience? Or maybe it's a combination of both. I think it's a combination of, of all three. Yeah, I think um, it definitely bolsters customer retention because it gives them something new. Mm -hmm. Like they're not just here buying, like if they love Clueless, they're going to come back. If they love Barbie, they're going to come back and they're going to buy a Barbie version of something they already have. Um, and also remember, our, we really promote the stacking of the product. Like, I'm never not seen with a whole wrist. Um, I was. I, this is what my wrist looked like at my wedding, for God's sake, <laughs> because it is. It's the vibe that we're trying yeah. to to get people to be a, a part of. So that's why Ali Love is like the best, you know, unofficial spokesperson for the brand. She's <laughs> constantly stacked. You're not. You're not going to be able to unsee it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the point is, is like we're asking you to collect this product. We're asking mm -hmm. you to also give this product away when you mm -hmm. no longer need it. So mm -hmm. you need to have plenty kind of coming through. And it's one product. So we have to be constantly iterating. So a part of it is like, okay, well, if we have a license deal, at least we know what we're designing into. Something fresh every Something time. Something fresh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we get the customer back. Um, yeah, I do believe that it helps with AOV because the price mm -hmm. is a little higher for any of our um, licensed product. Um, it goes up about five bucks. So it's not huge, but it's something. Um, and then um, as far as like whether or not we're tapping into their community, you know, the hope is that when their community sees this new product or they see that we've, they have this, you know, collaboration with this brand called Little Words Project, they're going to look further into it and we might be able to siphon some of those customers. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely a threefold um, approach to how we justify, you know, those minimum guarantees, which so far haven't been that crazy, believe it or not. I mm -hmm. think some of them, none of them have been prohibitive, mm -hmm. which is good yeah. since, you know. Again, our product is $25. <laughs> oh, it's the bane of our existence. Right. But. Yeah, AOV, um, especially on paid. I mean, yeah. AOV, yeah. It's, it's, I won't even go down that route. <laughs> you guys will never. question we'll that never popped into there. my head. Um, you guys have killed D2C here in the U.S. You've Thank proven you. out a retail model. Mm -hmm. Why not go international now? That, you know what? I don't ask my husband. That's a good question. I'm like, I'm ready. Like, I'm like, let's, let's, oh, I want to open Should we call London. him right now? Yeah, give, get him on the phone. Low key, that would be kind of cool. Um, do you want to? I literally would do that. Let's do that. Wait, I kind of feel like that might that be fun. That would be sick. Can we do I that? I feel like let's do that. I'll just let's try it. it. I'll, I'll put him here. It. He listens yeah. to this podcast all the time. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's he, really cool. I was like, Bill, what do I talk about? Because you listen to these guys all the time. Okay, I'm going to call him. Let's see what he says. Such a great question. He's going to, he's going to laugh. <laughs> I'm going to put him on the spot. I'm knowing him, his, he's in a meeting. His calendar is the most stacked calendar I've ever seen. Oh. Hey. Hi. Um, you're, you're being recorded. No, hey. <laughs> you're with the guys. We don't have Ron here today, but um, we, we do have a question for you. Okay. What, why, being that we, actually, why don't you ask it? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Um, so you're the numbers guy. Um, so I thought we should ask you this question. Being that you've kind of, killed it on the D2C end in the US and you've killed it on the retail end. Why aren't you international yet? Why 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 aren't we international? I said that's a good question for my husband because I'm ready. Uh, I, I think the, the short answer that to that is that we have a lot of wood to chop domestically still. I think um, you know I don't know what you guys have talked about already, but you know we 
30% of our business or so is still coming from New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. Um, I think we have a lot of growth still within the country, particularly in places like Florida, Texas, California. Um, we are looking, you know, there's, there's new things rolling out via Shopify. Uh, I don't know who I'm talking to, but uh, <laughs> you're talking about yeah, the guys. Shopify, Shopify markets and, and their ability to kind of go across border easily is going to unlock a few territories for us, but still, still, I think early days for us in the U S um, that's true. That's fair. That's fair answer. Yeah. That's a good answer. We just wanted to call you. We thought it might be a fun little moment for the pod. <laughs> Ask the this audience. This is fun. What else you got for <laughs> Call a friend. <laughs> what else What else do we got? I know he, he coached me on some of my, my numbers answers. I told the guys already. I was like, I am not going to be able to answer any questions about CAC, <laughs> so don't even bother. Good. Although I could, and it's $30. Yep. Well, there you go. Customer there you go. Um, <laughs> but anyway, all right. I just wanted to call you. That was it. Okay. Thank right. you. Well, have fun. I'm jealous. Thanks. You'll, maybe you'll be invited <laughs> one day. Later. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> that was cool. Hey, guys. We're going to take a quick break from the episode to analyze some of our top performing ads in our ad account. A lot of people have been asking me, what have you been running, statics, videos? Well, I'm going to show you our top performing ads utilizing a platform called Motion, which pretty much analyzes all the data of all of our top performing creatives, ROAS, by spend, by CTR, CPCs, everything. So check it out. What's going on guys? Uh, today we are reviewing another ad creative that had performed pretty well over the last 90 days. Um, utilizing this wonderful chart from Motion helps us understand what's going on in our ad account. Um, so let's get into the next creative. This one's really interesting. Um, there's a really funny story behind this. So one of our top performers, uh, it actually started running in August. It was our number one spending ad. Now it's kind of kind of tapered off a little bit, but um, in its heyday, this was our top performer. It had thousands of comments, and, and I guess you could probably guess why, right? Um, why do I think this works? Actually, let's, let's get into the story behind this, right? This is why analyzing your content, uh, your comments, your reviews, everything is so important because you can find these little nuggets that you can pull out and turn into ad angles, right? So on some of our previous ads, we had somebody comment, uh, it was supposed to be a funny comment it said, damn, will this help my FUPA? And if you know what FUPA means, um, you know that it's, it's, it's just, it's just an interesting term. Um, if you don't know what it means, uh, definitely Google it, but it's not something that people just throw around saying every day, all day. Right. And and brands are definitely not using this terminology on their ads, but we saw this comment. It got a ton of engagement. A lot of people were laughing, commenting, you know, uh, crying face emojis, laughing face emojis. And I was like, you know what? This is a very interesting angle. It may get us canceled or, or terrible comments on it, but I wanted to use it as a headline, right? Um, as a brand that's selling supplements for, for, for health, beauty, weight loss, whatever it is, there are a, so many other brands doing the same exact thing. And we're all trying to say the same thing and sell to the same customer. How do I set myself apart, right? And that's through my headlines. If, if everybody's saying, hey, lose weight now, and you see 20 of those ads, which one are you going to click on? What about the ad that kind of catches you by surprise and says something like FUPA killer, right? And so decided to use that as a headline. The, the template of the ad is very simple. It's headline, product image or render, and then a couple USPs and, and maybe a couple other things, right? The template is very easy, but it's, it's, it's the idea that goes into it. And it's, it's the headline that goes into it. And it's the way that you're attracting the consumer and stopping them from scrolling. So if you are selling a product that is maybe uh, very competitive, how do you say what everybody else is saying in a way that you can stand out? And so this was our top performing ad over, honestly, since the summer. It is now December um, this is one of those things that are just kind of evergreen running right now. And um, I highly suggest going through your reviews, going through your comments and pulling out these, these weird sayings that people are saying and, 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 and utilizing them as your headlines. So in terms of iterations, we'll probably go back and start looking at what are some other ways people are referring to their weight loss needs, right? Uh, this ended up being the, the first variation of something that led to another variation of what are some other things that people are calling like, you know, their issues, right? So there was one term which was called the bat wing killer, right? Uh, muffin top, stuff like that, where 
other brands aren't really utilizing, but we're doing it in a playful way. And so that's what I would suggest doing is going through all your stuff and pulling out these very unique uh, headlines. And so, um, yeah, easy template in general, design-wise to, to replicate, but the, the creativity comes from really, really uh, standing out with your headlines. So uh, try this out on your ad account and let me know how it goes. If you're looking to sign up for Motion, click the link in the description for a special offer today. Now, let's get back to the episode. Have D2C, mm -hmm. the storefronts. Yep. You are also in Target, yes. 900 stores nationwide. Yep. Um, talk to us a little bit about the process behind getting in there, mm -hmm. um, especially when you do already have the storefronts. Why, why the move to like a big retailer like that? You know, so the Target... Uh, expansion came in conjunction with the first few storefronts so we were proving out that model anyway and didn't necessarily want to put all our eggs into any one basket and i've always been a we've always been a proponent of being an omni-channel brand because it really makes for everything gets cheaper right when you're applying it across multiple channels so when it came to the target decision you know i really struggled with it for a while actually because i didn't we had we've always had such a robust um specialty business. So we've got, you know, over a thousand retailers nationwide that carry was it, the brand. Was it inbound or was it, you guys reached out to them? It was outbound. Okay. Um, but it was, yeah, we worked with a, um, a kind of broker, if okay. you will, mm -hmm. that got, got us in the door. And they, their first reaction to us, Target's first feedback was, you know, the kids, children's buyer wanted it. The children's team really wanted to bring it in. And that broker came to me and they were like, listen, you know, we, we really think this is the move for you. We really think you should move in this direction, but we'll defer to what you want. Mm. And I just remember remaining steadfast. I was like, I am, I already am worried about how working with a big box retailer yep. is going to land on the hearts of my like small family business community, mm -hmm. right? And are we going to be, you know, are we selling out? Like so mm -hmm. on and so forth. What are they going to do to the brand? Are they going to dilute it by right. putting it off pricing regularly? Yeah. Like how are we going to navigate this? So I was like, there is no way that this product that I'm so committed to being for, you know, the adult, you know, young adults and plus sector that I didn't want to lean into the child story just yet. Um, not to say that it's never coming down the pike, but it's just not with our target expansion. So I remained really steadfast in that. And we waited a lot longer than maybe we would have if we had just gone the direction of the children's line. Um, and it ended up paying off because once the adult buyer caught wind and saw the brand, she loved it. And Target's been moving to kind of, you know, expand their horizons in the types of brands they bring in and wanting the smaller brands that have a story and a founder story and, you know, are minority owned. And there are a lot of energy. There's a lot of energy there that really made us the perfect fit for Target. Um, and then beyond that, you know, I really, really have made it a point to be on every call to make it very clear this is a small family shop and we really want to make sure that, you know, you're being true to our brand and our storytelling. And so they have been really great partners, honestly, in that they, um, you know, my, they've, they've, given us an end cap. They've committed wow. to not putting us on sale. Um, we have the occasional sale that they have to do for their team, their uh, store site, uh, site wide and, and yeah. in stores, but it's not affected the grander business of Little Words Project, which has been good to see. Um, and we do an exclusive product line with them, so it doesn't affect our, our other specialty business. Wow. So we just try to be really, really intentional. Um, and they, they honored our brand price too. Like I was like, it's a $25 price point. I know that it probably would go gangbusters for you if you could do it at $19.99, yeah. but it's a non-starter for I us. I would say it's priced the same online. Price the same wow. online, price the same at, at Target as they it is with us. That. Yeah. <laughs> so they really were committed to be, to honoring the brand for what I, what we said it was. And yeah. you know, it, it was, uh, they've been a great partner. So I, I think, you know, to anyone listening, like if you're kind of trying to figure out that whether or not to kind of sell yourself, you know, sell yourself to the, the the bigger retailers. I mean, I think the answer is yes, so long as you feel like, you know, they're honoring what you mm -hmm. request and they really make you feel like a partner and not just some like small time, you know, uh, company. So yeah, yeah, I've been feeling really, really supported by them. And they, the business at, at Target has buoyed the rest of the company. And I'll tell you, our wholesale channel is by far our most profitable. Oh, yeah. wow. um, and so it's made Makes for, sense. yeah, it's made, um, 
they've also just gotten us into the hands of so many more people and on the radar of so many more people. So I think that the target growth in conjunction with the retail stores, it's it all works in concert with one another, right? Yeah. Um, including all of our marketing efforts, like everything kind of comes together and has just spilled out across the business in a, in a really nice way. We love to hear that yeah. because we're going into Walmart in like two weeks. So. Oh, great. No, but that's awesome. Yeah. Honestly, Walmart was another contender um, that we were debating. Um, Target just, we moved a little faster yep. with that and it, it, it's worked out really well. So, you know, if you can kind of have them honor and be true to your product and your price and, you know, the community that you've built yeah. thus far, then you're going to win, right? Yeah. And if mm. the second they stop, like, I don't know, I've just, I've never followed the money and my husband would kill me for saying that, but it's true. <laughs> like... I don't care. Like, you know, we've been fighting the Amazon battle for a little while, yeah. right? And like, what are we going to do on the Amazon front? Should we do it? Should we not? I may have just turned a corner, but for a long time, I just, I, my, my job, I think as the CEO is to put up the fight. Like yeah. I am the last line of defense. And if you can get past me and convince me, you know, and I believe that it's, that my brand is going to stay intact no matter, you know, with that, with whatever decision we have on the table, then the answer is yes. Yeah. But if yeah. for whatever reason it feels dirty or grimy or I just don't like the idea, <laughs> like Absolutely. if just something is telling me, the chills on my arm mm -hmm. are telling me not to move forward, then we don't. Whether it's the Fair. biggest deal, bird in the hand or whatever you call it, <laughs> makes no difference to me because the brand is first and foremost. Yeah. And that is why we're 10 years in with a $25 product and we're still here. D2C. Retail storefronts, Target. Yep. How does your marketing efforts kind of look holistically for for everything? Is it you have to obviously DTC you're going to approach one way, the retail storefronts you're going to approach another way. Like, yeah. what does that look like for you guys? I mean, we kind of approach it all very similarly, mm -hmm. um, specifically with DTC, both e-com and retail. Right. We really are, you know. We're very intentional about the messaging around the brand. The only difference really for retail is that, you know, there'll be more like SMS hits to get people to come back to store, uh, more localized um, efforts about, you know, hey, we've got an event going on at mm. this location that's, you know, within X mile radius of you come visit us. Talk a little um, bit about that. I think yeah. that's the, the more interesting thing because sure. like especially for us, right, it's how do we attack the, the areas that actually have like the Walmarts in there, right? How do yeah. we actually make sure that we're not just – advertising to everybody to go into a Walmart where maybe one's not really near you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, how do you guys look at localized marketing? Um, yeah, I'm, very intentionally. Um, we have actually my COO and my husband, um, he had a map created for targets penetration, and it was essentially a heat map that overlaid on top of our current customer base and our customer current customer list. Oh, wow. And we would target based on that heat of where we're most penetrated already to re support to, to essentially retarget those people via SMS, via email marketing, anything that we already if we already have their information, we were retargeting them based on where they how far away they were from a target. Right. Wow. And or how far away they are from one of our retail stores. Really our retail smart. stores were not as penetrated as targets. Yeah. Um, it's also really helped us. The target story has really helped us in determining which cities we want to go into with retail stores. Right. Because we can get a good idea based on target performance, too, mm. in each of these different stores, which stores are the best. And that's why when we were on the call with him, he mentioned um, uh, needing to be more penetrated in Texas, uh, California, uh, Colorado, um, uh, or not Colorado, I'm sorry, Chicago, and just kind of getting our, our name out there as much as possible in places that we know it's already performing well, whether it be through a specialty store and or through um, Target. So the wholesale storytelling is really helpful in advancing our plot overall because we can kind of yeah. leverage the data that we're getting through simply how is the product performing in these markets and then how do we show up there in a, in a real way that already seamlessly speaks to that customer. Um, I love the heat yeah. map thing. It's so That's, tactical. Yeah. yeah. He's the I most tactical person <laughs> <laughs> I've ever known. And I'm so much more like, like I'm just like free. Like I'm just like yeah. it feels right. Like we got to go for it. I'm I think that that's. Guy. I think that's <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I think that's entrepreneur founder meets like like uh, you know yeah. I, I always say like we're 
we're we're co everything as husband and wife, which is also a difficult thing to be when you're working on a team that and running this kind of business. When it comes to people, things, everything, we take it home with us, and it sits with us, and it's in bed with us. It's always with <laughs> right. us. Um, but it's a really beautiful thing when like we co everything. So like all those decisions, I might be the CEO, but like he's really the, the co CEO. He might mm -hmm. be the CEO, but I'm really the co COO. And that's kind of the beauty of yeah. having this smaller business. Yeah. And whether it's a husband and wife or or just general partners, yeah. you know, as long as you guys go into things together, it's really can be a, like a beautiful thing. So yeah. yeah, he's the tactical and I'm the whimsical, if you will. <laughs> Um, but yeah, marketing efforts, they really don't change much when it comes to how we approach it. It's just how granular do we get and how um, how how strategic can we be about, you know, our learnings and reapplying them in a concrete way that, that moves the needle. So at the end of every episode, um, we like to do, you know, one shoe, right? So mm -hmm. what's one thing that you want viewers to take away from this and mm -hmm. implement in their business yesterday? Oh my gosh. Um, I think it's strategic hiring. I think it's finding a tool to lean on when it comes to making sure that you're finding the right people to drive and sit on the bus with you, mm -hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're only going to be as good as your team and how you guys show up in the world and how you show up in business and how you show up with other teams. You have to trust them. You have to know that you've got the right people in the right seats on the bus. Um, and I think that's been my biggest struggle is making sure that, you know, and, and it's a fringe struggle too, because at the core, we've got the people right? We've got the right people, but there's always the fringe members that you just, they can pull it down. They can, they yeah. can fuck up the culture. Yeah. They can do something that creates just a general muck that you feel like you have to trudge through every single day, yeah. whether it's as the founder and CEO or as just another employee, you know, it affects, it affects everything. It's like a virus. It's a virus. Yeah. And so, you know, you really, and I do feel really good about it and I don't want anyone on my team to be like, oh my gosh, who is that? You know, <laughs> is it me? It's, it's me. <laughs> no. And it, it's really, this is more so just what I've learned over the past 10 it's years. It's not you, Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> Mariah might be. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, it's, it's what I've learned over the past 10 years and what I wish I had gotten better at. And I wish I was better at right now. It's one of the hardest things. So it's kind of frustrating because everyone's like, oh, that's the hardest thing. But it is the most important, I think, because it is those people that are going to take you to the next level and the next level and the next level. And it's also you as the leader that has to be able to, to level up with them and to say, you're not, you're yeah. not going to take us to the next level, but that's right. okay. Let me get you a soft landing and I will hold your hand to a greener pasture. Um, I think that's that. just how we all have to look at it. But... Yeah, find those tools, whatever you can possibly do. Yeah. And if I could be helpful, feel free to reach out to me and I'll give you all my – sing all the praises of Culture Index. This is not sponsored. Culture Index, <laughs> not sponsored, but you might need to sponsor it next time. Yeah, honestly. Um, <laughs> nice. Chew on that. Chew on that. <laughs> if you want more from us, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, and check out the website, chewonthis.io.